I think I just have an expressive face. (laughs) (laughs) I have the wrinkles to prove it, so... Hi, I'm Rachel Handler, and welcome to Lady Problems, where every Thursday, me and a rotating crew of ladies look at the way that pop culture treats women with the women who make pop culture. This week, my co-hosts are Teo Bugby and Melanie Linsky. Melanie is one of Teo and my favorite actresses of all time, so we are embarrassingly excited to have her here. She's in a new movie that came out last week on Netflix called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. It's a crime thriller slash comedy that won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. We're going to talk to Melanie about the new movie and about her 20-plus years of ridiculously great movies, and then we'll play a game with her called Trivia About Yourself. So first of all, we both loved I Don't at home in the world anymore. It was so funny, which was interesting because I did not expect to laugh so hard at a, at a crime murder oh, <laughs> film. Nothing says laughs like bureaucracy. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit for people who haven't maybe heard of it, what the movie is about and what the part you play? Well, I play a woman called Ruth who, I mean, some sometimes I've read a character description of her saying that she's depressed, but I would argue she's just kind of resigned. She's just sort of resigned to what her life is going to look like. She's not uh, very excited about humans and how they behave. (laughs) She thinks they behave pretty badly, and I agree. Um, And she's just kind of going on with her life until one day she gets robbed and it ignites something in her, and she just goes on a quest for justice, and it's not really – revenge that she wants. She just wants people to admit that they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And she wants for people to stop being assholes is what she always (laughs) says. Um, And then it turns into a bit of a crazy crime, crime movie. But it's also funny. Yeah. How how did this part come to you? How did you hear about it or... My agent told me, she said, I read this amazing movie. I really, really want you to do it. And I had a Skype with Macon, the director, um, and at that stage she was still trying to get the movie off the ground and it's hard to get a movie made with me in it because <laughs> nobody knows who I am. So he didn't want to make any promises, but later I discovered that he had written it with me in mind, which is so nice. Oh, wow. Um, and then eventually he went to Netflix and they said, we just want you to cast whoever you want in it. They didn't have any weird requirements of him, so... We were able to make it together. It was so exciting. Did you know Macon's movies before you talked to him about this role? I'd seen him as an actor. I mean, this is the first thing he's directed. Um, But I had seen Blue Ruin and Green Room came out partway through shooting. So I saw it then. Um, And I was such a fan of his from Blue Ruin. I just, I couldn't believe how great that performance was. I was like astonished by it. So something Tayo and I were talking about yesterday is that you are like this incredibly calming force as an actor. Like no matter what you're in, even if you're playing someone, you know, in this case, who's in an extremely stressful situation, you always have a very sort of soothing quality to you. Thanks. <laughs> Do you, is that nice. something that you actively bring to a set or is this just like how you are? I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to be outside <laughs> myself and say, I think that I'm 
I'm not good at <laughs> I feel doing very that. calm with you right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. I don't know. I have a lot of anxiety. So it's uh, you're calming me right now by saying that. <laughs> it feels nice. It's nice that that's how I come across when I feel like I'm massively anxious a lot of the time. <laughs> I feel like a lot of your characters that you've played in other films too kind of deal with that kind of disappointment or anxiety or depression. Is that something that you look for in roles? Yeah, it's something that really fascinates me. And I think because it's something that I have dealt with and I do still deal with in my life. I mean, I'm very grateful that my work gives me the opportunity to kind of do therapy. (laughs) So I'm always sort of working things out within myself. And if it's something that's ongoing in my life, then I'm always going to be interested by characters who are also dealing with it. What do you, what did you work out in this movie specifically? Is there like, was there like a specific issue or a specific thing you were thinking about? It's never anything that I'm consciously thinking about. It's always somewhere in the unconscious. And then at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, I see what I was supposed to learn from that. (laughs) Um, So I think it really helped me find my voice and it helped me sort of talk about things that I wasn't happy about. (laughs) Like, it's a silly thing, but I, I got in a cab in New York and the cab driver was nuts like crazy and I feared for my life and usually I just sit there and just be quiet and I was like dude you have to you're driving crazy and he was like what and he got all offended (laughs) and he said he was driving fine and I said you're not driving fine it's really scary and then at a certain point I said I'm gonna get out just let me out here and he was really offended and usually I would err on the side of not offending anybody ever and there was just something about having played this character who's like, no, I this isn't right. And I deserve to say how I feel. And and I'm a person like everybody else, you know. She really learned how to hold her space in the world. And there's something that happened. I feel like I turned 36 and I became, like, invisible. <laughs> Especially to men. Not that I'm looking for any kind of sexual attention, but just politeness just people let doors close on you people walk in front of you in lines and it's just it it helped me sort of find the voice it's like hey excuse me you know (laughs) just like standing there how much how much of the turning 36 and feeling invisible is about like being in Hollywood where they treat anyone over the age of 30 like you know they need to retire and how much was just in I think a lot of it is about that I mean honestly I when we were filming this movie in Portland I was kind of like, what is going on? Like I kept thinking I had something on my face or something like that because (laughs) men were looking at me. And I was like, oh, right, I exist here. (laughs) I'm not in Los Los Angeles anymore (laughs) where I'm like, you know, almost 40 years old and literally being offered roles where I'm playing like a 28-year-old's mother. Oh, my God. (laughs) Have you really been offered mom roles? Yeah. Oh, but I mean, I play moms all the time, but like moms of people like in their mid-20s I'm like if it's not physically possible I'm not gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) more lady problems after this break we were talking at one point about the costume design in this movie because it's like 
relatively unusual, I think, to see a character on screen like wear the same pair of jeans <laughs> for the whole movie, regardless of yeah. how many days you're filming over. <laughs> um, and I guess, like, did you have any input in the sense of like having experienced that sense of invisibility or like discomfort around the way that you're perceived in the world? If the costume design had any influence on the way you played the part? Yeah, I mean, I did get to have a lot of input. Our costume designer is a genius and she was wonderful. Um, but the thing that I loved the most about it was that Ruth's clothes felt almost genderless. She's mm-hmm. so not thinking about how she comes across to anybody that it's it's very utilitarian. It's like a T-shirt and a hoodie and jeans that you can walk quickly in and sneakers and I really loved that about it. I loved that it was just like a uniform of somebody who's just living and not anybody. And I didn't want there to be any hint of that in the costume. I didn't want, you know, a color that I knew looked good on me or something Mm -hmm. that's low cut or, you know, I just was like, no, I want it to just look like it was comfortable and cheap. It did look extremely comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it um, was pretty comfortable. <laughs> I, I've, to that point, I've read several interviews with you where you talk about how, you know, earlier in your career you felt like you were losing your mind because you were trying to conform to the way that Hollywood expects women to look, like this insane way of, of being. Yeah. Um, and then you said that your career really flourished once you stopped putting that pressure on yourself. I'm curious when that, when that happened for you. I think it was somewhere in my mid 20s and I just was so tired and it's not possible I mean you can't force your body into a shape that it doesn't want to be in Mm -hmm. and I was just expending so much energy in that world and just never feeling happy and never feeling free in my body and it, you know, it was starting to affect my work a little bit because I, I was nervous and you know, I was like, I don't know if I want to wear that. I don't know if I want to wear this. I don't like this angle, you know. And then I was like, what is going on? This is mm-hmm. the job that I've dreamed about since I was a child. I need to get my shit together. So I really <laughs> worked hard to to get better and to change the way I treated myself. And it was challenging, you know, it was challenging to let my body go to a a point that it was happy at and not judge it and not judge myself. But I was rewarded instantly. I I think I just became more myself and then I was able to get jobs. I mean, I'm not going to look like Kate Hudson, you know. It's not possible. So she can have <laughs> those parts <laughs> and I'll just play the, like the regular ladies. It was, and it was very... It was really nice once I kind of settled into that. I think you can see that, or I can see that sort of freedom in your performances too. Like there's a freedom from all of that. And it's really, I think that's part of the calming, yeah. like the soothing quality. I also think Aww. that there's something very intimate about watching somebody who's learned to be comfortable with themselves too. Um, and yeah, it's relaxing in in forgiving kind of way. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. I mean, I really... I think the actresses that I really love all have that. Like Olivia Coleman is one of my favorite actresses. Oh, she's and amazing. Gosh, she's so good. And you just never get the sense that she's been fussing around in wardrobe, you know. <laughs> you just sort of, she just looks like the person she's playing. And it's so 
you're just watching and just really like soaking in the performance. Not that I'm saying I'm like Olivia Coleman, but it's it's something that I respond to. You totally to. are. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This is <laughs> crazy. But, you know, I just, I, I really respond to actors who, who don't have a ton of vanity. Um, I guess when you're do, sort of engaging with the character without that sense of vanity, and especially when your characters are like the one that you play in this movie who are kind of at sea, um, how do you take measures to sort of protect yourself from getting pulled into what the character is feeling as opposed to what you're feeling? You know, you seem like somebody who brings a lot of yourself to a role. I do, yeah. Um, Oh, that's such a lovely question. It's so thoughtful. Um, I feel very lucky my very first audition ever um, was for Heavenly Creatures, this movie I did when I was 15, and they got an acting coach for me, and she helped me go to the places and then learn how to take care of myself afterwards. Like, she would brush it off me, and, you know, she helped me understand how you can go there and not stay there, and... I mean, she taught me everything that I knew. And then working on that movie, I was working with actors who were much more experienced and doing such difficult, dramatic stuff. And I was so young. So I had to really um, learn how to let go of it at the end of the day in a healthy way. Um, so I feel, I feel lucky. I got like the greatest training in that right at the beginning. Okay, let's get into the trivia then. (laughs) (laughs) This will be a quick round. This will be a quick round of a game that we made up called Trivia About Yourself. Um, Okay, so (laughs) let's talk about Heavenly Creatures. Do you, that was your first film when you were 16, as you said. Um, Do you remember Mm -hmm. who the opera singer that you and Kate Winslet are obsessed with in the movie? Mario Lanza. Nice. (laughs) Yes. It's a very memorable scene, I will say. <laughs> I know. It's, and he, I mean, I'm, he's wonderful. I, it was not my favorite. I was like a teenager who loved The Cure and The Smiths, and, you know, <laughs> it was torture having to be like, Mario Lanzer. Yeah. <laughs> what do you remember from filming that movie specifically? Like, what sticks out to you? Oh, I, the main thing I really remember is just how in awe I was of everybody, especially Kate, because she was so fancy and professional, (laughs) like she'd been working since she was 12 years old and she had headshots and stuff like that. And I just was like, I will never meet anyone more glamorous than this woman. (laughs) I just thought she was, I mean, it was perfect for the movie for me to feel that way about her, but I was, she was very impressive and remains impressive, obviously. (laughs) She's Kate Winslet. Yeah. Um, do you remember, okay, in Ever After, what animal mm. you dressed up as on the way to the ball? Oh, a horse. <laughs> right? Was it a horse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a horse. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. That's so funny. You have a great memory. Um, was it rare for you? I mean, I'm curious what it was like to work on such a, a women-dominated set and if that felt rare for you or if that's something that you've done often since. Well, that was my second movie, so... I mean, I really was like in heaven. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> we filmed in the south of France and um, Angelica was like the kindest, sweetest person and Drew was obviously such an angel and it was really 
just a beautiful, I was like, movie making is magic and it's always going to be like this. <laughs> and then, no, it's not. Butterfly um, wings but and the, horse heads. Mm -hmm. I know. Such a special, special time. I loved it so much. Okay. The third one is Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> We're going to read the line from you and then you're going to read okay. Reese's line. So this is what you said. It's funny how things don't work out. Do you remember what the line after no. that was? Is it, it's oh, funny how they it, do. Oh, <laughs> that sounds right. Okay. I thought you were going to do the baby in the bar. I <laughs> love that part. We were going oh to ask God. how many children you had in that movie, but neither of us could remember. <laughs> I think I had five. <laughs> I think I had five. I was 21 years old when I made that film, and I had five children. Nice. Um, Seems very yeah. realistic. Yeah. More lady problems after this break. Um, so in Hello, I Must Be Going, uh, can you finish the line, where the fuck is bottom? Oh, it's like, where the fucking fuck is <laughs> fucking bottom? Is that it? Yes. <laughs> is it? You got it. How yeah. Where the motherfucking fuck is motherfucking bottom oh, is motherfucking. your line. Okay. okay. I forgot <laughs> motherfucking. I just said regular fucking. Oh, Again, very impressive. <laughs> yeah. That was like your your since um, Heavenly Creatures. That was sort of your first lead performance. Um, yeah. After you had played a couple of best friend roles, what do you remember about that? Oh, I just I felt so lucky to be doing it. I honestly I did a reading of it and I thought, oh, I can't wait to see this when you know Maggie Gyllenhaal does it or whatever. And they, I just couldn't believe that they asked me to do it. Just every minute of making it, I was like, God, I feel so lucky. There's not a scene in that movie that I'm not in. So it was very tiring. Um, <laughs> but it was incredible. Have you found that you have um, had better luck or have a better experience in working in independent films like Hello, I Must Be Going or like the film that you're in now? I... I find that I have more opportunity in that world. I think people are more willing to take a risk when they're not spending a ton of money on the movie. Um, so just the opportunities are different. And I, it's so appealing to me to get to play people who are complicated and difficult and, you know, to not have to make them cute or nice or appealing. Okay, the last one, or actually second to last one, is Away We Go. So you play a character named Munch, which I love. Yes, <laughs> I know. It's so specific. <laughs> um, do you remember the song that you were sad pole dancing to? I, this is weird because that is not the song that I danced to when we filmed it. Oh, what did you dance to? I danced to um, the Beach Boys' Don't Worry Baby. Oh, oh, that's yeah. such a good one. Yeah, that's song, very different. It's very different. And in the script, it was girls just want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and when I learned it with the choreographer, I learned it to Ventura Highway. So there wow. are so many different songs. And I know that they put a Velvet Underground song in the movie. It's like Pale Blue Eyes, right? It's oh, Yeah, it's Velvet Underground. Oh, oh no, nothing. Oh, Sweet Nothing. I've only seen the movie once. But I was like, oh, girls just want to have fun. Couldn't be more different yeah. from Oh Sweet Nothing. I know. So, like, yeah, that's right. That's what song it is. I remember being like, oh, shit, it's Velvet Underground all of a sudden. That's <laughs> interesting. So you, you choreographed that dance or you had a choreographer? 
a choreographer and I also did like stripping classes and I had a whole bunch of moves. And then in the movie, they show like a couple of seconds of it. But we filmed that scene for 18 hours. Oh, wow. And for everybody's eye lines, even when I was not on camera, I had to do the whole dance so they were looking in the right place. And I've never smelt worse in my life at the end of that (laughs) day. Everyone went back to Los Angeles. Everyone took like an 11 a.m. flight because we finished shooting at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, I need to go somewhere where there's a shower. I'm not going (laughs) to sit on a plane next to anybody. It was I'm dancing for 18 hours. It was nuts. That's an incredible story. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, the last one from The Intervention, which is also it's on Netflix right now. We loved that one, too. Um, what is your character's drink of choice? Oh, am I just drinking wine? <laughs> You're drinking wine for a lot of it, but I guess we were thinking of your scene on the plane. <laughs> oh, what do I have on the plane? Like a scotch? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's so intense to just drink a scotch on the plane. Oh. It's very 1950. <laughs> yeah. She's just trying to get like get drunk as quickly as possible before her fiancé wakes up. And your friend Clea Duvall wrote that movie role for you. What, what do you? She th- did. Why do you think she thought you would be particularly good at that particular character? Well, we do things all the time. We, like— She's my best, best friend in the world. And we do a thing all the time where we pretend to be just rude and mean to each other. <laughs> and I, I guess I kind of do this character that's just kind of dism- just saying sort of like mean things as though they're nice. And she finds it very funny. <laughs> and then also she likes it when I pretend to be drunk. She also thought that was funny. <laughs> and so one day she was like, I'm going to write a movie where you're like that person, but you're also really drunk. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sounds like something nobody would ever want to see. <laughs> Um, but then she wrote a great script. I was very happy because I would have had to do the movie whether it was good or not. So thank <laughs> God it was good. Do you find that it's different working with actors who are directing you? I do. And, and they're all they're all different. But especially when it's a good actor, sometimes they can have a real strong idea of how to play it. Um so I'm just always grateful when it's an actor who's able to be kind of like hands off and not give you a line reading. Thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. Oh, We're yeah, thank you for having me. I wish we had all day. This was so fun. Oh, so do we. Can you tell our <laughs> listeners how they can see uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World anymore? You can see I Don't Feel at Home in This World anymore starting February 24th on Netflix. Thank you so much to my co-host Teo Bugby and Melanie Linsky, star of the new Netflix movie, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. And thank you for listening to Lady Problems. And remember, we want to listen to you. So follow us on Twitter at Lady Problems Pod or leave us a message on the Lady Problems hotline at 205-677-5239. That's 205-677-LADY. And if you like this episode, please be sure to give us a rating or leave us a review on iTunes because we crave approval. I'm Rachel Handler, and I'll see you next week. This episode of Lady Problems was produced by Mukta Mohan, Michael Catano, James T. Green, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.